Dadhood. Modern Dadhood Podcast. Well, 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 well. If it isn't Adam and Mark, that's me. Another episode of Modern Dadhood, which is an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and general insanity of being a dad in this moment. And I, Mark Checkett, stole your line. So go for it, Adam. Introduce yourself. Oh, you can you can have it. I took it. Uh, my name's Adam Flaherty. I'm a dad of two daughters, six and three. And my name is Mark Checkett, and I am a dad of twin boy toddlers. Let's give a couple shout outs. We go on the same wavelength because I feel the same. I want to say uh, hello and uh, recover fast to our friend Rick Gothier, who actually gets quite a few shout outs on this show. Strangely, I think he got, <laughs> he got a shout out on the last episode, too. Yeah, definitely. The most shout outs have gone towards towards him. Ricky has been uh, in the hospital with something a little bit scary, and he's home now with his kids and his wife. And uh, we love you, buddy. And we're wishing you a fast recovery. I also would like to give a quick shout out. A few episodes back, we recorded an interview with a very good and very longtime friend of mine named Kevin White. And uh, he's in the military and at the time of the recording was deployed stateside for several weeks, helping to battle and deal with uh, some of the COVID-19 crisis that's out there. Soon after that recording, he was actually sent home, which was which was really nice. But then soon after that, he got word that he was going to be shipped off uh, this time overseas and this time for nine months. I just want to wish him uh, best of luck and his family as well. Um, He's going to be leaving behind his his daughter and his wife uh, to fend for themselves for about nine months, which is going to be pretty hard. But um, I know that I will be thinking about them and uh, I wish everybody the best the best of luck and a quick and safe return. Yeah, that's a tough blow. But we will be sending uh, sending good vibes to Kevin and his family. Yes. I also want to say a quick hello to Dave Zemanski and his kid, Jake. Hi, you guys. Thanks for listening. Hi, Dave and Jake. I feel like we always, uh, I'm always posing a question to you. Adam, you don't happen to have a question for me at all, do you? I do have one, actually. Do you? What's your bedtime routine with the boys? What does it look like? Any weird traditions, anything that has to happen in a certain order or it throws off the whole evening? Yeah, I think there are a few things like that. They kind of go through phases of of things in certain orders, if that makes sense. You know, one day they might decide during our little story time, they want to put their pillows on the floor, one on either side of me, and they're going to sit on that. And it'll just has to be like that for like two weeks. And then all of a sudden they'll decide it's got to be something else, but then it'll be that for two weeks. Always phases. Everything's a phase. Yeah. Most nights go pretty much like this. Bath time. And then we run from the bathroom into the bedroom naked and we scream, we I'm naked, (laughs) which is so, so much fun. And then we get dressed and then we go to story time. And it's usually about two books. Is it usually the same group of books or is it the same book every night for a period of time? It's not the same book every night. There are a handful of favorites, though. Um, Although uh, often if I feel like it's been like, okay, we've read this book every night for the past week, I'll I'll just make an executive decision and oh, sorry, that book's downstairs. Got to do that sometimes. Yeah. 
I just, I mean, more, some, some of it's for my sanity, but some of it's also like, I want you to hear different words tonight, right. <laughs> you know, right. you know, think about something different, but two books. And then we get in our cribs and sing some songs. The songs are often renditions of classic songs like, are you sleeping? But we have to incorporate things that they know and love into the songs. So instead of, are you sleeping brother John, it would be. Are you sleeping monster truck? And there's <laughs> probably a hundred of these variations now, and it's getting very hard to keep them all straight. They must love that. Do you find that, um, that, that keeps them awake because they're always listening for the next thing and anticipating what it's going to be? Yes. Yeah. And in just recently, like I would say within the past two weeks, I had to institute sort of a new rule, which is I don't sing unless you are laying down. You have to be laying down and as quiet as you can manage while yeah. I'm singing. Yeah. Um, because otherwise it, it was getting, it was just like a raucous sing along. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is having the opposite effect. Yeah. What about you? Do you, do you, do you have a routine? I'm sure you have a routine. Yeah. Yeah. We got a routine. I mean, normally it's all kind of move through it fast, but you know, after teeth are brushed and you know, everybody's clean. Um, the girls want to do a uh, switcheroo. So Sarah and I will, um, each go into one of the girls rooms. They have separate rooms mm. and read a book and you know, they, they each have a book bookshelf that's just overflowing with stuff, you know, and some of it's like really good great stories and yeah. some are of the books are just absolute like thoughtless just garbage like daniel Steele novels yeah daniel Steele. <laughs> yes yes uh my six-year-old's at an age luckily where she's like getting interested in chapter books and some of those can be you know <sighs> she can follow along with a longer plot line that's so that's fun. fun but um but we have you know we have some disney books and of course they're really into disney movies and we actually have some of the, some older ones our friends jamie and tom gave us some of Jamie's Disney books from when she was a kid, hmm. uh, a little mermaid book is one of them that my girls love. And they're really great books. You know, the, the art is good. They're well-written. They follow the movie storylines and they do a nice job of condensing the movies into book format. That's cool. But then we have newer Disney books. Like my girls are very into frozen because mm. who isn't. And it's like that they are atrocious it's the writing is careless. The stories are like fluff. The, hell? the things that the characters say and do are uncharacteristic of the characters. It's like they just had to fulfill some kind of like contractual obligation. Yeah. Um, and just put out a number of books. And so they like threw it to an intern and said, hey, you know, write a book about, you know, Olaf seeing a ghost. So it's not even it's not even the condensed version of the movie. It's like some no. random off shoot story. it's like new adventures but the adventures are just like absolute horseshit it's un <laughs> it's it, frankly it's unacceptable it's and i think walt disney is rolling over in his frozen capsule in his unmarked frozen capsule just waiting to be reanimated yeah just wait till he gets reanimated people let, let that be a lesson to all you you people writing schlocky stories he's coming yeah. back but where i was kind of heading with that is you and i are both reading stories to our kids before bed, which I think yeah. is a great thing. It's good for Love their it. brains. It's good for learning. It's good to calm them down, get them ready for sleep. You know, those habits are important and anything that kind of throws off the routine can kind of make for a tough night. But do you ever make up 
stories, create bedtime stories? I haven't yet, actually. I can't honestly say that I've actually made any stories up yet. Well, my older daughter, who's six, you know, for the last year, a couple of years, maybe as an alternative to reading a book or even when we're finished reading a book, but before she falls asleep, she loves to make up stories or to have me make up stories. And what Mm. I started doing so that the weight wasn't all on my shoulders was I came up with this thing where I will say a line or create Mm. a concept, a log line or whatever. And after every line, we switch. And so we create a story together, which is kind of fun. That's awesome. You know, usually these stories start with like some kind of animal or bug who is happy and living in nature and then Mm. some kind of problem or catastrophe happens and then a a resolution and then happily ever after. Yeah. But I'm thinking about this because the guest for this episode, Michael Addis, wrote a book all about the bedtime stories that he tells his kids Mm -hmm. and they are based on real life experiences. But I find that if I were to do that, I'm usually so exhausted at my daughter's bedtime that the idea of telling them any sort of detailed story that has a moral to take away, it's a daunting task, you know? Mm -hmm. So I read his book and I was trying to put myself in that position of recounting details of times from my past. And I mean, there are definitely, there are stories that I, I do tell. And I guess I remember the details probably because I've told the story over and over again. I never told them with the intentions of someday telling my kids. You know what I'm saying? The title of his book is Who's Your Daddy? Bedtime Stories I Tell My Kids But Maybe Shouldn't, which is very intriguing. And I guess most of my stories are in the but maybe I shouldn't category. Right, right. Yeah, it's a super cool idea and a great concept and an awesome book. Do you think we should go ahead and admit him into the Zoom and conduct our conversation? Let's have a conversation with Michael Addis. I'm excited about it. Mike, so glad to have you on the show. Among many other things, you're a director, showrunner. Yeah. Editor. Yeah. You're also a writer and a dad. So I have, yes. I have a two part question out of the gate for you. Number one, how do you find the time? <laughs> and uh, number two, what made you decide to write this book? Good questions. So how do I find the time? Um, I think that's, that is part of the book is that you, a lot of times, a lot of days you'll get maybe a couple of hours with your kids at night. So you come home, you're tired and they want you to read a story if they're of that age. And, um, you know, on the drive home, I would think like, what kind of story am I going to tell them? Because, you know, I found that they would, you know, the three years apart, they would argue constantly about which book I read them at night. I don't know why like a three year difference is so massive that it would cause a big fight. I mean, you know, I don't know how old you guys are, but it's like, if you're, there's a three year difference from 41 to 44, you, you don't scream at your friends. Like, I don't want to do what you want to do. Right? Yeah. This kid's constantly. So I decided to just, um, come up with stories like, you know, little life lessons or things that involve emotions I've dealt with fear or anxiety or boredom or curiosity or jealousy or frustration, anything. And fashion a story about that around that and come up with a life lesson. 
and um, tell them stories. So what made me want to do this is because I did have lunch with a friend who was like, oh, that sounds great. You do that with your kids. That's, you should write a book on that. And I wasn't really motivated to write the book until I, I thought, well, other fathers might draw inspiration from this. So the value of the book is that if a father is thinking, how do I be a better father, which I think we all are, it's possible that trying this out and, and telling your kids stories that may get them to question the reality or the truth of the world, I think it's very valuable. So I hope every father does this. You're a father of two boys. What, what can you tell us about your sons? Oh, well, they're great kids. They're older now. They're 12 and 16. Um, but I used to read to them like a few years ago. Uh, you start reading or telling stories to kids at bedtime, probably around 11 or 12, right? And so, um, but, they're, but they're really, they're, they're polite, well-behaved, well-rounded, inquisitive kids that I'm very proud of. And, and a lot of people are, 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 you know, compliment me on them. I have one father who was like, um, hey, I'm having a lot of problems with my son, so I really want your son to come over and hang out, so kind of just to help make my son better. And I'm like, wait, then your son may be making my son worse. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if I want to hang out with you terrible. <laughs> All right, so the title of your book is Who's Your Daddy? Bedtime Stories I Tell My Kids But Maybe Shouldn't. So where does the maybe shouldn't part come from? Are those, are those your words, or are you... Are those the words of somebody hearing maybe some of these stories out of context a little bit? Well, I think a lot of things I say and do, maybe I shouldn't. (laughs) I think that the question of, uh, are you playing it safe? Are you, are you sure that everything you tell your kids is going to make them better people? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, certainly I'm telling them stories that are, kind of on the edge of what might be appropriate. And so I think that's fun. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't keep anything off limits. I mean, kids don't want to hear about, you know, your stock portfolio and the women you date. And there's a lot of things they don't care to hear about. But in my case, um, I do think bringing up issues of police brutality, Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter, rape even. I mean, all the things we're talking about nowadays, I'll bring it up to the kids in some way. Yeah. I had one circumstance where James was like nine and we were driving through downtown and he said, Hey dad, look at that guy's haircut. It's so gay. Oh. And I was like, Oh, gotta pull the car over. <laughs> we got to talk about this. Yeah. And so I tell the story about that, but it's, it's, um, we had to talk about, what is a gay haircut? Because haircuts can't be gay. And certainly it doesn't help you to look at those areas of sexuality and, and not be open. You know what I mean? And even if it doesn't have a single thing to do with sexuality and he's just using the word gay because, you know, as a synonym for, you know, ridiculous or yes. something that he doesn't like. And it's just because he heard somebody at school say that it's still worth having that conversation and having teaching him that, that lesson. Right. Well, this is where like the shoulds and the shouldn'ts are, are become an issue where do you want to tell your kid? I'm asking, I have a lot more questions than answers. So I, should you tell your kids you shouldn't say the word gay or something is mm-hmm. gay? I, I would just say, 
look, here are the possible repercussions, you know? And so, you know, if your kid was to say that haircut is gay, Adam, like, what would you say? Like, well, how would you, how would you treat that? Well, so we have conversations with our daughters about alternative family structures to our own. And so, you know, my daughters know that families can have two mommies or two daddies or father who was born female and identifies as male. And it's, it's like nothing to them. I don't think that my six year old daughter knows what the word gay means, but she certainly knows that she has a friend who's, who has two mommies. So I think it's just a matter of connecting that language, but also letting her know that the choice of words, depending on how you say it can be perceived different ways and can hurt people's feelings. And to not equate, you know, a word that represents this type of alternative family or someone's lifestyle with something that you think is a bad style choice. What I try to teach my kids is a lack of certainty and and to question everything. And I don't think you have much to worry about as long as you're teaching your kids to question the narrative. So I'd love to chat about your process a little bit. I, I know for me personally, I'm certain that I have a huge library of life experiences and lessons that that I've learned along the way, which would make for really rich stories to share with my girls. But if I just sit down and try to think of them, I come up short. Do you like keep a notebook with you all the time? And when something triggers a particular memory, do you make a note of it and then flesh it out later? Uh, More or less. Yeah. I mean, I have this thing called Evernote. And so I'm constantly just putting notes in Evernote and then trying to organize them. And if I have a funny thought or something, I just, if I put it in a notebook, I'll lose it. So I, I, I do that. And it becomes a chronicle of your life that the kid could, could then read later in life. So, I mean, I think it'd be a fun exercise. Like, can you think of a story that you thought would make a good story for your kids? And maybe we'll see if there's something kind of a little more meaty in there to, to teach them. Are you asking me to, uh, come to, to think of a story on the spot on the spot? <laughs> no, oh this, my God. this is where it gets ugly. It's really hard. Well, like, I mean, have, you thought, have you been driving home from work and thought, Oh, this happened to me. This was significant. And then you think, well, what questions does it bring up and what lessons might be learned from that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm sitting here just thinking, and actually since I started reading your book, I've been thinking about this question. What would I talk about? And it's funny because I too struggle a little bit on the onset of that idea, you know, of being honest, direct, telling real life stories, seeing what the kids just get, you know, out of those stories without handing a moral on a, on a, on a silver platter. And I too struggle a little bit with, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't want, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. And I, it, I'll give you a really quick example. And it's funny because I just told this story to Adam not on the podcast, we were just chatting and I told you this, this, this story, but years back, I was probably 12 or 13. And, uh, my, my friends and I friends, I'm gonna put air quotes around it. My friends and I were playing a game. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put air quotes around a game too, because we were playing a game with BB guns and the point of the game, it was essentially tag. And the point of the game was to tag each other, uh, with a shot. Okay. Shoot each other. Your, your, your game was, let's shoot each other. The game, yeah. The game was, let's shoot each other, but we called it tag. And 
um, you know, there were rules, right? We said, you know, these are the old school pump action BB guns where you got to pump up the pressure or whatever. And, um, you know, one of the rules was obviously it's like central body mass hits only, you know, one pump, you know, stay a certain number of yards away, right? Those were the rules. And so like most kids, we immediately broke our own rules and, um, I'll, I'll leave his name out of the podcast. One of my friends shot me right in the face, <laughs> hit me right in the lip, went through the lip, shattered a tooth and got stuck in my lip. And this is the story that I've been thinking my event. So my dad was a dentist. And so I just went home and was like, I have a problem, dad. And he took me to the office and he cut the BB out. And it was this whole thing. It was, it was terrible. And, um, and now I have a fake tooth. Um, that's the story that came to mind when I started thinking like what stories and man, I, I like telling that story, but I am a little afraid to tell that story to my own kids when they're old enough to hear it. It's tough to say. I think that's a, a good cautionary tale. I think you're, I think you're saying we were idiots and we played, a, we made a game out of shooting each other uh-huh. and eventually we grew out of that. But, but, you know, knowing that dad is uh, capable of a dumb idea, like playing a shooting game I, I think there's a lesson in there. I think there's something fun in there. Right. It, it's funny. I When I was reading your book, I always wanted to go back and, and look at those titles again. It's sort of broken up. You sort of have a story title, but then you also have sort of a moral title. Do you have a sense of what you want the lesson portion of that to be? Or is it more like, here's the story. I've told it now to my kids and I'll wait for them to see what lesson they choose to take out of it. What I did is I made a list of all the things I want to talk to my kids about. So I don't know about you guys, but like confidence, I think is an interesting subject. I can make a list of all the things you should know about confidence, but really it's like, I don't know. Like, uh, like I could just tell them what I've experienced. And so I ran a marathon one year and I went with my dad. I, I, I invited my dad just to make, kind of make sure I would run it. You know, so it's like, hey, dad, come see me run, run the marathon. And then if I fail, I'll fail in front of my dad. So I, it was like an extra thing to make sure I did it. And just watching him be so surprised that I was actually doing what I said I was going to do was illuminating. And that showed me like, maybe any struggle I have with confidence is in part because other people don't always believe in me. And that's, that's the case is that if you, there'll be people who don't believe you could do something and, and don't weigh that too heavily. So I made a list and, and, and in the book, it says on, like on confidence or on, you know, uh, on new beginnings or, or on the search for love or on being the other, you know, that story about I was in a lesbian band. I was a drummer of a lesbian band and, and, we played gay events and I was just like, wow, I'm, I'm the odd person out. And then when you jump into that world, you get a chance to sort of see what it looks like from that end. So mm-hmm. I invite my kids, I tell that story and then invite them, please don't shy away from any circumstance where you're not, where you're the only one of something. I used to go to rap concerts a lot. And when I was young, it was like, I was the only white guy there. And it was like, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, wow, look at this. But then you realize you get more comfortable being the other, which I think is, Part of, part of the lesson of that story is don't be afraid of that. I, and I really hope every dad does this. I know it's a tall order, but like write a book. It's, it sounds like daunting, but it's, it's not as bad as you might think. But that's a long-winded answer to say, yes, I do 
go, how did dad deal with gratitude and frustration and curiosity and confidence, et cetera. Mike, has there been a moment where you've kind of given yourself a little high five because the lesson or moral has just sort of been right on the nose? Like they, they understood it immediately or it was, you know, perfectly relevant to something that they were experiencing at that moment? Yes, but I don't, I'll get very specific. I don't, I don't expect them to necessarily get the lesson right away. And there's a lot of exa- examples in the book of how the discussion afterwards just kind of goes off the rails. Mm. Like I'll tell them a, la- a life lesson and maybe the next few days they'll think about it more or, or you'll see the effects. But um, like James, I'll tell him a story about something and I'll think, Oh, I hope he got this. And then he'll say, he'll, uh, I'll end the story and he'll go, Hey dad, do uh, brown eggs come out of a chicken's butt and white <laughs> eggs come out of their vagina? Like, he, like, you know, it's like, what? That has nothing to do with what I just said. <laughs> Actually, there's a great example in the book. You had told a story about the divorce that you went through. Yeah, that's tough you, to talk about. Yeah, I can't even, uh, you know, imagine something like that. But you, you tell this story. And the question that you get at the end of it from one of your kids was like, how do you, how do you go about splitting your stuff up? And you kind of answer, they were still, all of a sudden they're concerned about your socks and your chapstick. And I thought that was, I thought it was really funny. And my, really my question to you is how do you deal with something like that? You know, in the moment, but I just felt like this was kids are so damn pragmatic sometimes. Yeah. The real concern that they had at that moment was, how, did you get all your stuff? Did you get your socks? What about the food in the fridge? I mean, it was just such an interesting, sincere, but you know, in a moment like that, what do you do? Just kind of shake your head and kind of like, just take the questions as they come or. No, I, it doesn't bother me. Like I want them to, to think of those things and, and, and to think of, you know, constantly be thinking out of the box and, and be curious as I take my socks. But also I think part of the joke there is that, kids are always kind of catching you in your bullshit. Right. Mm. And so like the idea that I'm like, look, you know, when I left, I wanted, I wanted to have you guys. And I didn't, I didn't care about the stuff, you know, I just wanted my piano and my favorite chair and, and I'll start over again and that's life and that's okay. It's fine. So they catch me in that, which yes. Did I only take my, my favorite chair and piano? No. I took my socks and I took my underwear and I took, you know, so they're like kind of going, wait a second. Are you sure that's exactly what happened? Well, I commend you for, you know, being honest and straightforward with your kids and sort of telling it like it is. And like we said, not sugarcoating. Can you leave us with any final thoughts on why being direct with our kids is so important? One of my kids had had an issue with dishonesty and would tell me things that he didn't know to be true. We don't always know the truth, but we know what is not truth. Oftentimes you tell people things that you know to be true to you. And so more, almost more important than honesty to others is just self-honesty. And so I look at the boys and, and, and my son who had an issue with honesty and they say, look, you will, you know, I would lie to the Nazis to save you. Like I'm not always going to be honest there is a value to lies, but there's also, you want to be able to look at yourself and say, are you honest with yourself about yourself? So just exploring self-deception, I think is, 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 is critical. So I think that if I left you with anything, it's just 
as a father, it's critical you explore what you think, believe, feel is your own truth and be honest, as honest as you can with your children because they're going to catch it. And if you lose integrity with your kids, it, it's, it's hard to get it back. The book is called Who's Your Daddy? Bedtime Stories I Tell My Kids But Maybe You Shouldn't. It's a wonderful, sincere, heartfelt, and at times very funny book. Michael, thank you so much for being on Modern Dadhood. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Mark. Really appreciate it. Adam, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. You know what was a great segment that actually I, I got a lot of a lot of comments from people that they really enjoyed a couple weeks ago? Which one? Confession. Confession. Yeah. Let's do it again. I have some confessions. Let me just uh, cue up our <clears throat> Gregorian monks here. Get me into the mood. During dinner one night, one of my kids took mac and cheese directly out of his mouth and handed it to me, saying, Here you go, Daddy. Eat. I fake ate the food, said, Yum! And then secretly threw it into the sink. Confession. 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 Despite what I tell my daughters multiple times every day, I actually think fart jokes are pretty damn hilarious. Confession. Confession. Recently, we were loading the kids into the minivan for a car ride. And one of my children began crying and said, I want to ride in the other car. I looked him dead in the eyes and told him the other car was broken. It wasn't broken. Confession. Confession. I will literally never say no when my kids want to do Cosmic Kids Yoga on YouTube because I have a small celebrity crush on Jamie, the instructor. Confessions. Confessions. <laughs> well, uh, I, it's just a small wee celebrity crush, and I would like to say publicly... I am a very faithful and committed husband. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, are we at the end? Yeah, I guess. Oh, hey. What? I did want to tell you about this other podcast I was on. Oh, uh, we don't have time for it. We got to wrap this up. Does it, does it make you sad to hear that I was on another podcast? No. I was already aware of it, and even though you didn't tell me, I saw <laughs> I saw it posted, and I listened to it. We're going to go right into our wrap-up banter. Do you need to take a minute to dab your eyes? Dads, you can find modern... I can see the tears from here. It's okay if you cry. Fine. Go. Go. I was a special guest host on another podcast. My very good friend, Ryan Murphy. He has a podcast called Chucka Talk. You'll never guess what that's about. Let me guess. Polo Cross. Polo cross. So what is polo cross? I know what polo is. I know what lacrosse is. Is it just, it's just the combination, right? Just, just put a bunch of lacrosse players on a horseback. He'll probably hate me for saying it, for describing it like that. But as you'll find in the episode that I co-hosted, um, I am very much an outsider in that world. And that was the whole idea behind the, behind the, the episode, but he's been a player or a coach 
or in, involved in the polo cross community for pretty much his entire life. And that's what the podcast is all about. It's about his experiences. He interviews all sorts of people from all over the world. He's got listeners in Australia and in Africa and in, you know, in England and all over the States. So if you're into sports on horseback, I suggest you chuck out, you chuck out. Look what I did. <laughs> you fucking did it on I purpose. I didn't even do it Don't on purpose. Don't even. No, I, I know you it. did that. If you're into sports on horseback, check out Chuck a Tuck on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> and dads, you can find us at moderndadhood.com on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen. Like we always say, uh, we so appreciate when you give us a rating and review wherever you like to listen. And friends, would you be willing to tell one dad or mom friend about Modern Dadhood? Would you? Would you? Would you? You can drop us a line anytime at hey, H-E-Y, at moderndadhood.com. Tell us what you're liking about the show, what you hate about the show, if you have any great ideas for us, and also a couple thank yous. Thank you to Casper Baby Pants, Spencer Albee, and Bubby Lewis for our Modern Dadhood music, and to the amazing, talented Pete Morse, Red Vault Audio, for his impeccable mixing skills. Boy, does he know how to polish a turd. <laughs> this is true. Uh, we are still recording at home during this quarantine. We hope to be back together recording in person with guests in person very soon. And Pete does an awesome job of taking our remote recordings and making us sound as best we possibly can. Check him out at redvaultaudio.com. Any other thank yous? Oh, um, I would love to thank you for listening. 